you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Myth number one. You don't find the right person, you need to be the right person. So often we're looking to find the right person when we need to be somebody that can be the right person for someone. So the second myth is you'll get married when you are ready to get married. You know, and when I hear that, I always think, what makes you ready to get married? Like, I'm not sure exactly what that is. To me, what I look for, what we look for is a peace in our hearts, knowing that, okay, this is right, this is who God has for me, and yet it wasn't something that um, I had this checklist of everything that I needed to get done in life before I got married. And so there are a lot of people that get married and might not be ready to get married. You know, one of the things that is super important to us is that we have premarital preparation, and we do premarital preparation. We have about about eight different times that we meet with a couple and we go through all kinds of things like communication and family history, your background, um, you know, your children. Someday you'll have children or if you've been in previous marriages, how your children will relate to this new mom or dad. We also involve children if you have children from a previous marriage so that, you know, they're they're getting involved in this relationship with really having not a whole lot to say about it. And so what are their, their feelings? What are they thinking about all this? And then, you know, at a wedding ceremony, if there have been a, other children from another marriage or relationship, we make those children part of that ceremony because you're going to live together after you say, I do. And what goes along with that? You know, those are real life issues. Another thing we talk about is, is money and money principles, how you spend money. You know, one time years ago, I thought this was kind of funny, is we have what do you believe is a nominal purchase and what, you know, where um, you don't have to ask whoever you're marrying, like, is it okay if I spend this at the store today? And somebody said $500. They, I'm like, whoa, where's that person? Maybe I married the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, $500, whoa, that's awesome. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if they still operate that way, but, you know, we talked about $500 is probably a lot of money to spend without checking with the person that you're married to. And we're not saying that you don't have to be ready for marriage, but some people don't ever think they're ready. And, and really, it's preparing yourself for that one flesh relationship, that marriage relationship. You, that you need to prepare for. Uh, but some people say, well, I'm not ready for this. Well, commitment, you step into a commitment. Uh, and that commitment is going to be a, a life changer when you step into that commitment. You know, we want to encourage you. We have small groups with, that deal with marriage and are really awesome relationship builders and also um, Financial Peace University is going to be starting really soon, and so there's a couple here that um, help lead that, and so you can sign up for that as well. So, um, 
you know, there's opportunities, again, for you to grow in your relationship with each other. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. One of the important things in building relationships and meaningful friendships is, is make sure the character of the people you're associating with is not counterproductive because the people you associate with will affect you. We've seen people's character change because they were hanging around the wrong person. And, and one of the uh, criteria that I set in a relationship is if you are not a dominating influence for the positive, then you need to withdraw from that relationship because you will become corrupted in that relationship by the dominant other person whose influence may be negative and hurtful and harmful to you. But if you can go into a relationship and they may not have the best character, but if you can be the dominating influence in that character where they change, then, you know, go for it. But, but again, the, the principle of the scripture says, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. The third myth is, I'm no longer in love with you. There's times over the years where couples have come to us and they said, I don't love that person anymore. I'm no longer in love with them. And, and I believe that's a, a myth because it's, it's not that they're not in love with that person anymore. There's just been a lot of junk, a lot of issues that have got in between, of that, in between that love, like a wedge of division to separate them. And so uh, why you know, don't you address in, in this? In our then? relationship, we, we promised each other before we ever got married and when we were doing our premarital preparation, that divorce was never going to be a, a word that we used in our relationship. You know, and if you're somebody who's gone through a divorce, and if you're married again, remarried, make that covenant now. That word is not something that's ever a choice for us. Because when, when, you, when you evolve in your relationship, things are going to come up. But you know what? the end result isn't to cut and run. <laughs> the end result is what can we do to work this thing out? What right. can we do to, to grow our bond in the relationship we have? Because maybe you have obviously lost it. Like, I am not interested in you anymore. There's nothing that attracts me to you, any of that kind of stuff. But there's something important for you to remember, and for you who aren't married yet and might be married someday, you know, it's, it's thinking what initially drew you to that person when we talk about the power of remembrance. If you hear a song, in fact, the other night we were working later at the church and we were hungry, so we went to South Point Restaurant. It's always an experience, good food. <laughs> and they were playing this, like, old-time music, like 70s, 80s, before some of you were even born. And, and you know, the song would come up and... And you know, I'd hear this old song because I don't listen to that stuff anymore. And it would take me back to that time period in my life when that song was being played on the radio and when I was listening to it as a young man. You know, it's interesting how the power of remembrance, when you hear a word or phrase, it can take you right back to that place where that event happened. The power of remembrance can work in the positive or the negative. And again, it's choosing what you think about or what you remember. 
that will allow that memory to come alive. And actually, if it's a good memory, a positive memory of, of what you've experienced and shared together as a couple, then that memory will rekindle that love. See, I don't think there's any conflict that we ever deal with that cannot be resolved as long as both of us are committed to resolving that conflict. It means that somebody's being selfish and somebody needs to change, but we need to look at ourselves because selfishness is the base and the root of any marital conflict that's, that's out there. You're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, all right. So another phrase, and I'll talk about this, and some of you have heard me share this before. I w we were me meeting with a couple and taking them through the premarital preparation. And as I was planning the ceremony, I was thinking about the word commitment, and I wanted to talk about commitment. And then this just came to me. Total commitment produces total fulfillment. I really believe the reason people are not fulfilled in their life is because they're not totally committed. They're not fulfilled in a relationship because they're not really totally committed to that other person. And it even goes in a vertical relationship with God. If we're not totally committed to him, we'll never be fulfilled in our relationship with him. It's only in total commitment where we will find and experience total fulfillment. And I believe each and every one of us want to experience total fulfillment in our lives, total fulfillment in relationships, but there has to be a total commitment because commitment is something we're scared of. I didn't get married until I was 35, and to be honest with you, I was afraid of the commitment. I was afraid of making a lifelong commitment and because of all the uncertainties, you know, I, I wasn't ready, or at least I didn't think I was ready, but I maybe didn't meet the right person. And our relationship grew out of a sincere, honest friendship to the point I realized I cannot live without this woman. I want this woman by my side. I want this woman in my life. I want this woman to be my life partner. And thankfully, she was in agreement with that so that we could take the next step and, and move forward. Um, so. I recently heard a minister talking about when there's conflict in a relationship, how it's like you're holding a magnifying glass and you're looking at whatever that thing is. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't close the cabinet doors. Maybe they leave their clothes on the floor. Maybe whatever, but you're magnifying it instead of maybe it's not that big of a deal. Just pick it up for them. Close the door for them. Maybe your reaction isn't what should be going on. And so um, he talked about we can be holding a magnifying glass or we can be holding a mirror. Look at yourself. Look at what can change in you. Look at what can be different in you so that you don't have that conflict. Going back to the scripture that we looked at earlier, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We realize that the things we think about, it's the framework of our life. Uh, that's why Philippians chapter 4 says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. So the criteria of right thinking is so important in the relationship. It's what are you focused on? Are you focused on all the negative and all the junk? And that really brings us to a place of, of, of forgiveness. But let me, let me share uh, a strategy, and this encourages the men, uh, I believe, in, in the relationship, because I believe 
as men, we need to take a leading role in, in making sure that our marriage is, is what God wants it to be. But that requires a demand upon your life of sacrifice. Because God calls the husband to take the role of Christ to be a servant to his spouse, to his wife, to take a role. We see actually in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it says a husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Wow, that's a high call upon us, man. But yet, through God's help, we can do that. We can love our wives as Christ loves the church. For those of you that are married and for those that are not married, you need to understand that this will be your role and your assignment from God. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to say uh, that the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. So that's number one, love. And then give himself for her. And then the third element is, is to speak the word or over her, the washing of water with the word, to uplift her and encourage her with your words. And so when we think about that, there's no worse strategy for your own personal satisfaction in your life than to blame somebody else for their happiness or unhappiness. Only God can bring that joy. So it's when we're giving out, when we're pouring out, that God can pour it back into our lives. And so... Um, what is it that you need for God to do in your relationship with your husband or wife or even with God? What, what is it you need God to do in your lives? Because as we bring this service to close, we want to pose that question because God, I believe, is wanting to move in the marriages here. And, and for the singles and young people among us, if you desire to pursue marriage, if that's the direction you're going, well, hearing this stuff is so important because this will be a, a big part of your life in, in interacting with your spouse and, and growing in a meaning and healthy relationship with them. You know, and, and we don't want to say that relationships, you know, maybe you've been hurt in a relationship. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe you're the person that caused hurt. Maybe you're the person who's caused someone to be wounded. So what do you do with that? You forgive? You know, I, I think um, this week we were actually at a, at a homegoing celebration and, and the minister that shared a statement that he had said is life is not worth living unless you are forgiving. And knowing that we really can't make it in life if we're going to hold grudges all the time, if we're drawing a line in the sand and saying, I will not, I will not give in. You're not hurting anybody ultimately but yourself. And so knowing that we have to be forgiving when we're in Christ, we have to forgive other people. You want to read that passage? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. When we think about the title of, of this part in this series, Thinking Out Loud, I want you to shift the focus of that from God's standpoint and the thoughts that he had towards us. You know, the Bible talks about how 
God has a plan for us in Jeremiah 29, 11. But it starts out by saying, I know the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Thoughts for welfare, thoughts for a future, thoughts of a hope. God thinks about us. And thinking out loud how that was expressed is what Jesus did for us on the cross. In John 3.16, which is probably the most popular scripture of the whole Bible, many have heard it, many can quote it, but we need to understand it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God, thinking out loud, expressed his love for us. He expressed his love for humanity. And we understand that his love is transforming. When you have an encounter with his love, you don't stay the same. And see, because we need to be loved, we also have a need to love. And whether you realize it or not, the love that you express towards someone else can have a transforming impact upon their life. And as I live my life, I want my love towards my wife, Deb, my love for my children to have a transforming impact upon their lives. And those I interact with, those I encounter, I want the love of God through me to impact their lives. And see, that's what God wants to do in the church. But before that can occur, we need to make sure that we have received the love of God. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, you know, I don't know that my life is really right with God. I don't know that I'm really in a right relationship with Him. Maybe you believe that God exists, but have you made a commitment to Him? And a commitment to Him is simply to surrender yourself, to say, Lord, I open my heart, I open my life to You. And maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive Him this morning because I want my life to be right with Him. You know, but whenever I'm in a hospital ministering to somebody at the end of their days, they don't have a lot of time, you know, family calls me in there to pray with them. One of the things I ask them is, have you made your peace with God? And you know, we don't have to wait till we're on our deathbed to do that. We can make our peace with God right here and right now. Right here and right now. If you would, bow your head this morning. And I want to extend this invitation for you. If you haven't already made your peace with God, are you wet, ready, and willing right now to do that? If that's you, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me so that I can make my peace with God today? Maybe you're dealing with guilt and shame. Maybe you're dealing with just some challenging situations that you don't really have answers for. Well, God can meet you at a point of your need and reveal himself to you in a powerful way. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, will you pray with me? Just lift up your hand. All right, we're going to pray this prayer together. You can lift up your heads if you want, or you can keep your heads bowed, but we're going to pray this prayer together. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I open my heart to you. Thank you for sending Jesus, who expressed his love for this world by dying on the cross for us. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you as the one who died for me, as the one who was raised from the dead to give me new life. 
Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Heavenly Father, I do pray for every married couple here, for every young person here, that you would allow them to experience another level, another dimension of your love. Father, help them to come to realize and understand the importance of forgiveness. Not only receiving forgiveness, but releasing forgiveness from their heart. No longer holding grudges, no longer being bitter, no longer being resentful, but walking in your love. Father, empower us as your people to not only experience your love, but to express your love one to another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The worship team is going to minister to us again, if we could stand together. And I want to leave you with this thought this morning. You know, and I I want you to know that Pastor Deb, we don't have everything perfect in our marriage. Guess what? There's still things we're working out. And, And what's important is that God's in the center of your lives. And I sense this morning that there are marriages here that need God at the center. And as, as we worship in, in this song, if your spouse is there nearby, take hold of their hand and just determine that God is going to be the center of our relationship. No longer will he be excluded, but he's going to be involved. He's going to be welcomed into our life. And, and when you do that, you're making yourself vulnerable for God to get in your business, to begin to deal with selfishness issues to where you are going to have to lay your life down for each other. You know, we talk about, you know, I would lay my life down for this woman. And I mean, I wouldn't even think twice about it because I love her. But the love I have for her, it's more than just a natural love. It's a supernatural love. And God can give that to every married couple, a supernatural love. Because sure, there's things that I do that bother her. If I burp, excuse yourself. Okay. There's things she does that bothers me. Not a whole lot. She's pretty perfect, you know. But we're committed to each other. And we don't I guess we could talk on and on. Any closing comments before we worship God here? Well, it's knowing, like he said, there's no relationship that's perfect, but we know the one who is. Yes. And I know that can sound cliche, but that's the truth. In our marriage relationship, like he said, there's things that come up, but there's nothing we can't work through. The same with people you work with. You might have little gripes here and there, but there's nothing you can't work through because be the bigger person. So when you're dealing with things, be the bigger person because you know Jesus. And Jesus is who helps get us through all of this stuff. The psalmist wrote, he said, he is perfecting that which concerns you. 
He's perfecting that which concerns you. And that's something we need to take more with. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.